1: Welcome to The Run Home on SENZ. It is Monday the 18th of July. How's everyone feeling? How are you feeling today? It's always a bit of a doom and gloom, 48 hours after uh, a loss for the All Blacks. Obviously, we feel it as a country. I'm feeling a bit flat today, but we're going to try and put people up, be right, because instead of Pointing fingers. We're gonna try and find solutions to this, uh to what's going on at the moment. How are you feeling after the weekend? This this team means more to you than any of us because you've played for it and you've worn that jersey.
2: Oh absolutely and uh you know, we, we all we all we all ride the emotional wave when we watch the all blacks and and I guess sometimes, you know, if Friday cursed I told everyone that we were just gonna blast them off the park and the big Ford pack was gonna do a job on them and We were going to exploit Bundy in midfield for pace and what have you. And it just didn't unfold. And, you know, like, I did not see the weekend coming. I really didn't. I expected, you know, the All Blacks to really bounce back. Because we have a wonderful group of players there who, time and time again, you know, have have shown to bounce back. You know, there's some some guys there. There's multiple world champions in there. There's world players of the year. So, you know, I did anticipate something of a bounce back. But, hey, it wasn't to be. Ireland were... uh, the great thing about you got to tip head to Ireland is, I think we all four Ireland had one of those results in them. But to go back to back, and they have really announced that they are they're right up there right now. And you know, I know I told you last Monday they were sixth. They were still sixth in uh, my World Cup <laughs> pecking order. Hey, maybe it's changed. Maybe it hasn't. But
1: so a lot know, can happen it, in a week.
2: <laughs> a lot happens in a week. But absolutely, they were mightily impressive. I don't think they could have played much better. They were clinical. They just they put on a they put on a hell of an exhibition. And you know what? You know, yes, it's disappointing and all the rest of it. But if you're just a pure rugby fan, you'd have watched the weekend and gone, "Geez, you know, it's it's it was something else to watch that at a packed out Sky Stadium." You were lucky enough to be there. It must have been some atmosphere. Wellington's a small enough city to feel the buzz around the streets, isn't it? Oh, when in- there's a big test on.
1: It- other than the result, other than the result, <laughs> it was definitely um, one of the best build-ups, the best games that I've been lucky to be a part of. From the moment that we got on the aeroplane, like leaving Auckland, half the plane was full with Irishmen and green jerseys. And I could hear conversations going on throughout the plane. There was like a conversation two seats behind me as we were taking off. And these were random sitting next to each other. But here was one of the conversations. An Irishman said to um, someone next to him in an All black jersey, they didn't know each other. He said, are you confident? The All Black fan replied, of course. The Irishman said, oh, you must be part of the minority then. There was just <laughs> such good banter leading up that entire day. The airports were packed. The city was packed. The restaurants and bars were packed. The game, there was like... The noise in that stadium, I don't know if it came across on TV, but it was deafening at times from both the All Blacks fans who aren't normally that vocal when you get to an All Blacks crowd because usually they sit there in silence. But when Will Jordan got up and scored that try, the whole stadium just blew up. Like, it was crazy. And then the Irish fans, they were the minority at that stadium, 38,000, but it didn't sound like it. They were singing, they were dancing, like... Honestly, it was one of the most amazing atmospheres um, that I've been a part of. As I say, obviously didn't like the result. Um, felt absolutely rubbish afterwards having to interview um, Sammy Kane, our skipper. Yeah,
2: I felt for you. That there, was probably Jesus.
1: like the hardest day <laughs> that I've ever done at work because yes. he, like, I've, I've talked to him after, um, you know, 2019 Rugby World Cup semi final. I talked to him after the loss against Argentina, but never. In six years of interviewing Sam Kane, have I ever seen him like that? And I, I just... Like, it's just the most awful feeling. You feel everything that they're feeling, you know? Like, we felt absolutely crap for him. Yes. And and that's how the New Zealand public was feeling as well. And, like, you could see it on his face. So, absolutely, I feel disappointed, but I I feel more for the players, and I feel, fozzy, I feel sorry for Fozzie as well. Like, th- being the All Blacks coach and captain it has to be the most scrutinised job in New Zealand. Like, you think the Prime Minister gets hate? Well, yeah. <laughs> our coach and captain, if if you get one loss, they, they hear about it. And I just can't imagine how they're feeling today. So that was my weekend. But B, you actually had a bit of a better weekend because you hit the slopes.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know. At times, you would probably think it was a better weekend. But you try driving... You know, my wife's from Taupo, so we went to uh, Whakapapa um, for an impromptu uh, get-out-of-home for the weekend, yes. and she goes, oh yeah, just a few hours down the ro- down the way, a little bit past Taupo. So I was like, oh yeah, no problem. So we leave home very mid-morningish on Saturday. We get to the snowfield mid-afternoon. Most people are leaving. We're unpacking the ute, trying to get kids with about four layers on them. Kids have been in the car for five hours losing the gherkin. Um, we get up to the top on the gondolas. Uh, we've actually the shut gondolas? down, yeah. The gondolas up,
1: Are they gondolas? have yeah, they, they got gondolas, gondolas?
2: yeah. They've got the gondolas there and ah. up to the restaurant bar there. And then we get there and it's all fenced off because they've closed the actual top of the mountain. Because
1: <laughs> is there oh, not enough no, snow?
2: No, there was a truckload. Oh, up, the wild was, weather, wild weather. But I was like, oh, didn't look that bad. But anyway, so me and me and young Liam go and park up inside the uh, cafe bar, which would have been a great scene if it wasn't just me and Liam. If it and, wasn't uh, <laughs> you and a
1: less than one year old.
2: And the uh, and the mother and the two oldest were just out building snowmen out of a bit of ice, so um, it was it was actually entertaining. And uh, then I guess the highlight was she didn't tell me that there was only one. There was no petrol station in the middle of uh, national park, and I ran the gauntlet halfway no. down. No. Let's just keep going. I'm, I just want to get there. I want to get there. I was getting in, impatient as I sometimes do, cursed, but, and uh, <laughs> then leaving, leaving the ski field when you're the lights already petrol lights already roaring. at yeah, I thought I'd need a to broach the subject before it actually happened. I said, look, there's a fair chance we're running out of petrol here, but it's okay. I think my running shoes in the boot. I'll just get out and just start running, and it'll be fine. I'm just trying to calm down the situation, and obviously, why are you mop,
1: hearing about it in your ear?
2: Um, Yeah, of course, and then every milestone ticks over, right, 20k's, well, okay, so it's not too bad now, 15k's, as soon as it got under 10, I was like, you're only going to be sitting here for an hour or so, it's fine, but then we limped it it to Tooragi, and uh, never have we been so excited to see a petrol station, but I sort of tried to turn the blame around on her and said, you never told me there was none in there, but she (laughs) was pretty disappointed that I'd driven past probably 15 petrol stations, because I was just in a, Mm. let's just get there sort Mm. of attitude.
1: Okay, Um, well, once you got there and uh, you got up to the bar and you're sitting there with them, did you actually get out and have a play on the snow or did you go on the toboggan? Build a snowman? What did you do?
2: Well, it was a bit icy, so the snowmen were tough to build, but we tried. We took a carrot up to make a nose. Um, But then, yes, we got a bit of tobogganing in uh, before the close of play there. So, no, it was good fun. The kids loved it. And uh, we might go in about 10 years' time again.
1: So it was that traumatic,
2: (laughs) the whole event? Uh, For for parents, it was a bit traumatic, yes.
1: Yeah, well, they are too young, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they're a touch. But you know hey, what? you you, you got you to you run the gauntlet a few times. Daddy, i tell you what. I was telling Kim that I got instructed to go uh, into Sylvia Park on my way home from the Friday night show to get some warm clothes. Oh, so you just had an clothes. awful weekend as a whole. So, yes, just so a three-dayer. Daddy, <laughs> so Daddy actually did a half-decent job on the uh, getting the warm clothes at <laughs> Sylvia Park at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. Nowhere a place I would rather be. Um, but uh, apart from that, yeah, perfect weekend. Oh,
1: great weekend. It sounds like you had a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did,
2: Yeah. Maybe and next I, time
1: just go by yourself.
2: Maybe, maybe go back to Japan for a couple of days on the slopes. <laughs> you uh, we know how you went there. Yeah, yeah, i You'll it. be and coming it. back
1: a broken man.
2: I would be, but uh, all in all, very good weekend, and then managed to s- keep enough energy to do some acting with Izzy in Day oh. this morning, oh.
1: so... and... and ta- your acting skills. I saw that you two were at some hardware store. Yes. Um, what would you two know about hardware?
2: Well, fair fair call, but I'll tell you what. I will know a whole lot more than Izzy does. I'll give you a red hot tip. Uh, but you know, there you go. It was a it was it was a very busy morning in there, and then uh, a lot of politicians were on our flight. We don't know why. I couldn't have actually named them, but there was a fair few politicians going. Heading north. out to Northland. Yes.
1: Hmm. Interesting. One, of the ones that,
2: one of the ones that's always on the TV for the um, medical stuff. But what,
1: Dr. Ashley Bloomfield?
2: No, not Dr. Ashley. I know him by me and Ash. Um, oh, you don't no, know one, the name of this particular politician? No. You just know that
1: you had a few? I've, se- I've seen him Was Winnie he heading up north?
2: <laughs> no, Winnie wasn't. The head of police was. He was going to. Oh, too. Andrew Costa. Yep, saw him there. Jeez, he, he must there. have been a bit on. Yeah, I don't know what was <laughs> happening up
1: north. <laughs> they heard you two were coming.
2: Possibly he was, he was up there the night before So I'd like to think they already sorted him out
1: um, As well as the acting, did you two actually have a bit of competition? Or was it just the acting today? Not today, just acting today Oh okay, yeah. uh, as he does assure me that he's definitely ahead of you as well <laughs> He said he can't <laughs> believe you talk about this on radio
2: Which means he knows he's well and truly behind <laughs> The proof will be in the pudding when the series comes out, don't worry
1: Coming up on the run home today over the next couple of hours. Beaver, yep. he gets his notebook out just like he does every week uh, and gives you his rundown of that test on the weekend. And we want your thoughts too. Double eight, double three, the texts are already flooding in. What did you make of the performance over the weekend? Did you see it coming? Or you were you as shocked as Beaver was? And what solutions do you think there are? Because obviously we all want the All Blacks to be winning, right? We all want the side to be winning. We want them to be successful. So, what's the solution here? Double eight, double three, or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Scotty Stevenson, uh, the great Scotty Stevenson, penned a letter on the spin-off. Um, very honest, very refreshing uh, about the state of New Zealand rugby at the moment. We're going to get him on. He's He's been around. He's seen it all, hasn't he, over the years, Beaver? He's a great um, voice of reason. He's a great neutral party uh, to get on the programme and just have a chat with. That's all we want to do. We just want to open it up today and have a conversation, get your thoughts and, and try and get some ideas running. Uh, plus, after 5 o'clock... We've got to celebrate the Irish too because it was um, an incredible victory. And as Beaver said, I think they're a bit closer than sixth in the World Rugby Rankings at the moment. That second, well, it looks a bit more accurate, but maybe they could go all the way at the Rugby World Cup next year. We get Isaac Boss on the programme. Uh, we've had him on over the last couple of weeks. He's been confident right throughout um, and for good reasons as well. So we'll celebrate a little bit with him. Plus Sarah Carley-Ross, former Olympian, uh, comes on to talk about the Athletics World Championship which our Kiwis, well, they've been doing pretty good, especially our sprinters. have loved seeing what they've been doing, uh, the latest results for our shot putters as well. After 6 o'clock, Nick O'Hearn, former golf professional and SEN golf host as well, joins us on the program to talk about the brilliant Cam, I was going to say Cam Smith. It is Cam Smith.
2: Cam Smith, yes. Yeah, it is
1: Cam Smith, but not that Cam Smith. Also plays dummy (laughs) half for Queensland. (laughs) The goal for Cam Smith, just too talented, (laughs) uh, picking up his first major title at the Open this morning in superb fashion uh, and drive to survive as well. After 6 o'clock, listen up your cuticle because we've got another $50 TAB bonus bet voucher to give away. And if your account's anything like mine, well, I didn't win anything on the weekend.
2: This is how Beaver sees it. Well, the fallout from Saturday has been big and it has been predictable. Where it lands, who knows? But speaking from experience, and I can assure you of this, how gutted and upset us as fans are is nothing, and I repeat, nothing compared to where the players are at right now and what they're going through. The sun, well, I can tell you, it wouldn't have come up in their world. This week, they are outside their AB bubble, which is often a place of safety. This week, they have it off before they reassemble, and no, they won't enjoy it. Their effort and intensity in some corners has been questioned. Well, no one I know would have gone out to lose that game, that's for sure. And then, apart from one or two, we've got to be realistic. This is our best group. And a group that I'm sure, if they get the right assistance, they can turn this around. Easy, easy.
1: And that's what we're going to talk about today, turning this beast around to get it humming. Can it happen in 14, 15 months' time? Uh, we will see. But, B, there's plenty of texts coming in here today. you we Absolutely. rip into some of them?
2: Yeah, get into them. Get into them.
1: Uh, OK, this is a long one, so I'll take one for the team, Beef. Oh, Hi, please. Kirsten Beave. It's widely accepted that there's two distinct styles of professional sports coaches. There are autocratic coaches and the democratic coach. The autocratic coach is the big boss, is driven by clarity of direction and structure. These coaches really tolerate failure and will seek to execute with almost perfection. The democratic coach empowers innovation and multiple leadership within the team and often facilitates goal-setting input from the players. Henry and Hanson were both autocratic coaches. Foster is more like a democratic coach. That's well-liked by the players. Sometimes the best players respond better to autocratic coaches. Just look at the Henry and Hanson's record.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean...
1: You've been coached by all of those guys.
2: I, I have been coached by them. And to be fair, uh, I've never had Shag as a head coach, but uh, from what I understood, uh, very very much along the way of that text. And there is, there is a real aspect of, for me, Kirst, some of the coaches that we've had in the past, the boys, regardless of how good a rugby player you are or how <laughs> you're standing in the game, A, you lived in fear, but B, you're excited about soaking up everything off them. And that's, that's the guts of it. Uh, Fozzie very much is a, is a person that will empower, will talk, will entrust. And he probably doesn't have the same fear factor well, he doesn't have the same fear factor as a Ted, for example. I don't think anyone's had the same fear factor as the five-foot-six roaring former principal. Uh, but the the others, you know, and it's not just... You're not just talking coaches here. You're talking about whole groups. So, no, I completely go along with that. And in the modern era, it appears that with the player, the player power and the player review scenarios, then we're going away from the big boss. There's very few people with enough standing to be a big, this is how it is, and this is the line you're going to pull into.
1: Unless you're a former detective, a former headmaster, uh, or <laughs> any of those former roles that those dominating coaches have come from. Uh, from Costa, I think we need to bulldoze the cake tin. We have a terrible record there, and I've been to a lot of them. England, 03 Lions, 2007, to name a few. South Africa, just a few years ago as well, remember?
2: No, Costa, I had to goal kick there my entire <laughs> life. So if you're going to bulldoze you should have bulldozed it 20 years ago. I'd have happily had it bulldozed.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, when we come back, we'll read more of your text messages. Double eight, a double three. And Beaver's going to get his notepad at and run over uh, his thoughts on the match. And
3: I'm a, bit on a string,
2: Tracy. I- A couple of text
1: messages here uh, to put things into perspective. First one, no Ethan DeGroote, no Luke Jacobson, Moonga wasn't starting, no Jack Goodhue on Saturday, and Will Jordan playing out of position. How can Beaver possibly say that was the best team on the field? Uh, Another one from Brendan, picking the right players in their correct positions would help instead of trying to fit them and just pick our best 15. Our best hooker wasn't playing in the 23. Big Carl shouldn't have been selected. DeGroote should have. Artie, Savier is our captain in seven big bodied hard running six and eight a goal kicking ten stop putting Rico Ioane at centre he's a winger uh, and Will Jordan at 15 please just play the players in the correct positions well that's what you think but Beaver what about you what, what did you see out there
2: yeah I mean well Kirst probably just in fairness I'll, I'll respond to a couple of those texts obviously talking about the selections of a few uh, I guess the Barrett Moanga thing is not going to die now and probably Richie's probably going to get a crack I'd imagine in next couple of weeks the, the reality is Bowden Barrett's been our best player in rugby for the last six months and so for me there was no doubt that he was going to start and be the favoured the favoured guy to take us forward obviously Richie had a wonderful final but he was also behind a pack that completely outclassed them um, the Will Jordan thing that's not going to go away but for me You take Will Jordan out of the wing, and then suddenly you've got a winger out there who's not as good as Geordie Barrett. And Geordie Barrett's the best goal kicker in the country. And I know you can all just about jump down the front and say, well, he missed a few in the weekend. The reality is, Geordie Barrett's our best goal kicker. He's proven that over and again to be a genuine match winner with the boot. Uh, There was a text that mentioned Carl. I was completely in agreement with that. Carl's decided to bugger off. Carl, there is not a way, there is no way he can be picked in this championship team, unfortunately. They've just got to move on from that. He's decided that his futures in France with the money, that's fine. But the group's here and whoever whatever have a props. So I'm look, I'm I still think that there's a there's a rugby team here. Uh, there's a rugby team there that you put it all together, played well. But Kirsten, if you're asking me what I saw on the weekend, I saw I think I saw a team that as far as your attack goes, they looked out of kilter. They didn't look like they were firing shots. When we are off first phase doing bombs with arguably three or four of the most potent attacking weapons you could ever wish to have a boat in a and Barrett, a Will Jordan, a Rico Ioani, the list goes on and we decide to put up bombs. We had another couple of situations where we had a line out draw, a line out just out, or just inside the 22. We had Cody Taylor pull out of a, a little shift more, and there was no one. And for me, you wouldn't be happy if that at club level if someone was pulling out of a line out, which was clearly a set move, and there wasn't anyone to pass the ball to. Because I'm pretty sure we weren't expecting to get a line out 20 out and have Cody Taylor just to peel off the back of a maul with no one, in, no one in support. That was obviously a move that others had forgotten about quite quite clearly. And then there were other situations where in phase play, it's all going to be able well to have a set up sort of first phase attack option. But then for me, if you're going to set up for your first phase, then obviously something big's coming on the second one. But we were doing reverse lines back to a Nepo la la, la which I've got a lot of respect for Nepo as a rugby player, but Nepo's not going to score a try from 40 out. So why after a midfield hit do we then go back to a Nepo on the short side? I've got no idea. Phase play for me looked really disorganised, really lacking in ideas. And the other thing, I talked about the Cody Taylor pulling out of line-out more and then no one to pass to. The other thing that sort of suggested to me that our attack was completely out of sync and no one sort of knew what was going on is we were doing a lot of roll balls. So for those who aren't sort of up with my terminology, a roll ball would be going behind those three thords that were standing off nine or standing off ten, and you go out the back of them and you hit another back. So that's all good and well, and we were doing that quite a bit. But we were doing it, and the ball would go out the back, and the guys who are in support of, say, a Havili or a... Of Bodie Barrett, they were in front of the guy. They were in front of Bodie. So Bodie couldn't pass to them. So therefore, there's either massive communication issues or people are really, really lost. And unfortunately, that's where the attack got to and, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they had trained all week and I'm sure it looked fluid, but maybe that was just the fact that they were under an extreme amount of pressure and guys just got their blinkers on and forgot it all. Or it was just a case of a very disorganized, muddled looking attack. So that, that was in the nutshell. Obviously, I wrote, you know, Kurt, me, curse, I've got pages oh, I love, pages I here. love
1: the notes. Uh, so, yeah, but got, but <laughs> why, Beeb, is the answer? Is I feel like if you're saying that they're lacking ideas, they look lost, what's happening behind the scenes?
2: Yeah, well, that's for so long, all five New Zealand Super Rugby teams more or less play the same as the All Blacks. And that is essentially we get into our rhythm. The worst word that I hate hearing, but you hear every RDO talking about it, you hear every coaching course talk about it, is structure. Oh, what's your structure? What's your one, three, three, one, which is essentially where your forwards are set up and playing off them. Well it looked like we were just playing to then fall into structure. But then our, and for so long that's been enough in New Zealand because we've been better than the majority of the world of rugby and we've had so many X Factor players that we just wear and wear and wear and our skill level was of a level that eventually we're going to break people down. A little bit like it got in that start of that second half, where it all just looked like we're just marching over the advantage line. But even then, it still was it still was relying on Bodie making a half break, and then we got through and behind, or Artie picking and going, and then we got in behind. The, the actual structure, which I guess is what you fall into, or what the All Blacks were falling into, essentially from a first phase launch, which, you know... I think we're being shown by some of the other teams around the world where have a crack on the first phase ball. Like, as a back defending Rico Yuani I would have nightmares all week if I was a 10 and they sent someone in my channel which held me up a little bit and then I had to go get Rico. So that's why I thought that they would be able to exploit Bundy Arke's pace. I really thought they could. But Bundy looked like a superstar out there and I don't think he ever really, like, if you run straight at Bundy, he's going to knock you over. But if you're going to set him up to then have to chase like I would have anticipated Rico would have been put on the outside shoulder of uh, Bundy with a nice little variation inside to then hold them up on the inside to make Bundy have to chase then that's when Rico's having a laugh because he's just too quick, too too big and powerful but we just went one direction at him and I mean it was Henshaw, Henshaw, and, uh, Henshaw and Bundy were never under any pressure whatsoever and we got told by Issa on Friday, he said oh no they'll be fine defensively and I was like well I don't think they will be easy because I think they'll be done for pace but we never tested them and that was a bit of a shame for me we were not testing them off first phase.
1: you know it's a very important Beeve. what you're saying is very valuable but we cannot wait Johnny Mack. we cannot make him wait any longer we've made him wait 3 minutes and we don't make him wait so we'll continue this right after news and sport yeah. Well, we're very lucky to be joined by one of the best broadcasters this country has ever seen. He's a journalist, author, commentator. He's been entrenched in the game for many, many decades, so he's seen it all. Scotty Stevenson, thank you so much for your time and joining us on the show. You penned an emotional response on the spin-off to the result in Wellington uh, on Saturday as an All Blacks fan, as a New Zealander. How were you feeling, uh, and, and what did you see over the weekend and over the last month?
0: Uh, I, I see a team that, that does not look like it has belief, Kirst, to be honest. And, and I've seen, um, thank you for the very kind uh, intro, I, I've seen a lot of all-black games and I've seen a lot of all-black teams. Um, and, and I know the ones that click. Yeah. And the ones that click have a very deep and intrinsic trust in, in what they're trying to do. And furthermore, they're enjoying their rugby. And yeah, from what I've seen over the last couple of weeks, granted there's been intense pressure on the side, but winners, they're not on an all-black team. Uh, they just do not seem to have found any rhythm or cohesion at all. And and it's just very disappointing Uh, from the players' point of view, first and foremost. uh, As a fan of rugby, I enjoyed the series. Uh, But obviously as a New Zealander, someone who's followed the All Blacks for a very long period of time, this just doesn't seem like an All Black side that's really in the game at the moment.
2: It's funny you mentioned the the confidence thing and, my biggest worry for the boys on Saturday was if they got behind early, what that would mm-hmm. look like for them, and and it's not often you worry about an All Black team having doubts or thinking, oh no, here we go. But it just mm. unfortunately midway through that first half, I just felt for them, and and then when a few more things uncharacteristic stuff. I mean, when you're seeing guys who I rate very highly rugby players just drop balls or, or things yeah. like that, yeah. you all of a sudden know, oh, the environment or well, not so much the environment, but everything that's happening in the world at the moment as far as their little all-black bubble, it, uh, it's yes. just an to mount in it.
0: Yeah, and I, I really like the word bubble that you use because there, there may be once was a time, beef and um, you know you were probably on the cusp of, of the social media age uh, when you were playing for the All-Blacks, um, but now it's cut and parcel of what these guys do. Uh, please... Please, no one can tell me that these guys Mm. aren't aware of the chat in the marketplace. They're aware of the media commentary. They're aware of what the fans are saying. They're aware of the questions being asked, the coaching group. Uh, They know all of this. And the one thing about the All Blacks, I think over the last couple of weeks, they've found their way back into games and then compounded their problems. Uh, They're making unforced errors, uh, with all due respect to Ireland. Uh, line out troubles uh, you know, but it's not just one and then fix it it's it's one problem after another and they find themselves in a very dark place and you can see it in their body language uh, you can see it in the way they look around at each other and I think uh, most crucially you can see it in, in the way that some players are saying I'm going to go and do this on my own uh, that's not how you win a game of footy uh, it never has been uh, we've got stars all across the park in that team, we always have had in the All Blacks but what we've had more importantly um, for that side is good cohesion, good teamwork and understanding the roles that they're all playing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention the stars thing because I've started the show, <laughs> Sumovic uh, has caused a, a little bit of a text flurry from a fair few that we'll address later where <laughs> I've said we have got the best, you know, bar one or two, you know, <laughs> Obviously, Brad Weber. Uh, one or two. We have got <laughs> like have Jacobson. You know the
1: rest of the Chiefs.
2: But we we have got the best thirty-five or thirty-six sitting there right now, or we're sitting there in Wellington, and I mean five or six of them are absolute of the highest echelon rugby players going around. So, for I've come out and said, look, this is who you want out there. They can turn it around, but there's a whole lot of things at play which. You know, all of a sudden, it looks like it has actually eked its way into the style of game that they're playing, and and I'm, I saw that in your article mm. there, that you beautifully penned there, as curse uh, noticed. But one of the big things for me is we don't get to play South African teams regularly, which was our yeah. gateway, was our gateway to playing big men, and big men with attitude. Yep. And yep, it's all good and well to play Australia and who are all private school boys who are inferior basically, <laughs> and have been for the last 10 years. But there is something very special that you find out about yourself when you're playing at a Pack Loftus or a packed King's Park, just at super level,
4: yeah.
2: uh, going yep. against big men, week in, week out, and then that's preparing you for then playing the European boys who are all built the same. And it's not an exaggeration, and it's probably funny for me to be saying it, but when you look at Europe guys, when you look at South African boys, through the hips, through the shoulders, we think we're big boys mm-hmm. in New Zealand. They look, We look nothing like them, is it? So... Well, the piece about the South African uh, in your article really really came yeah. home for me.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't have a huge sample size from an international rugby point of view, but it, even I remember going to school in South Africa in my final year, but even coming out of Auckland schoolboy rugby into South African schoolboy rugby was something else. I mean, you were playing <laughs> men. Uh, they are tough and physical specimens, especially the Afrikaners. Um, and look, you know, I, I said this, when, when Bryn Impey arbitrarily blew up Sansa, uh, claiming that he called South Africa's bluff. Well, they weren't bluffing. They left. That's <laughs> gone up, and now they're playing Irish clubs week in, week out. Um, when we burned Australia, I said, this is not how we go about business. We need friends in this country. Uh, we need to have constant international contact here because our game has become very homogenised, a diet of playing each other week in, week out. You know, all five Super Rugby clubs in some ways having to kowtow to what the All Blacks coaches want because that's the shop window Um, And when you start homogenising the game like New Zealand rugby has here, um, then you start taking away the innovation. And I think New Zealand rugby needs to take a long, hard look at some of its actions over the last five, six, seven years in terms of where they've placed New Zealand now in the global game because it is costing us. And also the lack of care uh, for New uh, New Zealand's provincial game, that Mm. has got to change. They've got to turn that around. Now, we had 14 very good provincial sides in this country with 14 different coaches, all bringing different ideas, showcasing different intellectual property, and that was all cherry-picked by the best in the business, saying, that works, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. Now we barely take notice of this. We've got so much IP in this country that has been left to wither on the vine. And I know that one swallow does not a summer make, but, look, it's not just about the last two weeks for this team. We have seen over the last couple of seasons the inconsistency in performance and the inability to adapt in-game to situations of pressure. That is concerning from the game point of view.
1: So it sounds, oh, sorry, um, Beaver, but everyone right now is pointing the finger at Ian Foster, and it seems like there's a much deeper issue here that actually goes back from decisions made uh, quite a few years. But, but what's the solution then, Scotty? Because we all want there to be a solution, right? We want there to be a positive outcome here. We want to be back winning, and we want the whole game in New Zealand to be flourishing. Where do we go? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, look, I, I don't think it's as simple as sack the coach. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, look... No. Um, we we know that there were there were two options available to New Zealand Rugby. There were more actually, but but some decided that they weren't going to go in uh, for what they considered was a was a rubbish process in terms of the appointment. Um, look, Foster's got the job right now. My question is, does he have the team? And yeah. the, only they can answer that. Um, but I certainly know hearing from. Uh, Very recent All Blacks and some current All Blacks that that, that they know they're in a spot here. And they need to look around the table and figure it out. They can't do much about decisions made by NGDAR over the last five years. But what they can do right now is have some decent honesty and maybe just open up a little bit. It doesn't have to be a closed shop, the All Black side. It is the shop window for New Zealand rugby. It's not just a cult. Uh, So let's get some good heads together here and figure it out. And these players, you know... They, as I said before, they don't live in a vacuum. They hear all this talk. They're very aware of it, and it erodes the confidence inside that team. Uh, and we've seen this happen before. Beef, you've been there before. You know what mm-hmm. it's like uh, when the pressure really comes on, both at a personal level and at a team level. So they're in a state at the moment. I don't think they're going to change the coach. Uh, certainly not two weeks out from the first test against South Africa. Yeah. Uh, but what they need to do is have some genuine honesty about where they are with the game right now and maybe just broaden the scope a little bit. And the other thing I would say too, shit, there's a lot of voices in that coaching group. I mean, that is a big group of coaches. I mean, and it, it keeps big getting bigger, right? Well, well, <laughs> I, I keep reckon adding it's going to get
3: I mean, I don't know how many
0: more people you can add here without <laughs> using the players even more, but uh, it's a big coaching group. that The answer has got to be around that table. If it's not, then yeah, we are in trouble as a, as a nation uh, in terms of our rugby.
1: Brilliant thoughts. Thank you for giving us some perspective um, and thank you so much for coming on, Scotty. We appreciate your time as always.
0: Yeah, no dramas, guys. Lovely to chat.
1: Scotty Stevenson there uh, joining us to talk about The All Blacks, but actually the wider picture amongst New Zealand rugby at the moment. Double eight, double three, your thoughts, your feelings. Uh, We want to hear from you today. It's a really good text message coming in here. Um, First, it was great being able to get Scotty on the programme, wasn't it? He's just a... He's got a great... eye for what's going on and eye and ear because he talks to so many different people in different rugby circles and he's also a neutral voice. He doesn't have anything to gain um, from talking as well.
2: No, He's very, and very clever, um, which is a welcome
1: addition to very this show. very smart. Mm. Yeah, welcome he does addition. boost the intelligence <laughs> level here um, from both of our our <laughs> points of view. Um, but this one's a nice message. Hey team, Scotty made some great points. Our narrow minded views of world rugby and our place in it seems to have finally come to roost. Playing ourselves each week will hamstring our development as a whole. We need to be playing South Africa and European teams more often. Furthermore, our grassroots game needs more professional players involved in it. The quality of club rub- rugby has certainly dropped away since the super rugby players are no longer uh, locked in club footy. We need to change our pathway and understand we're not the be-all and end-all of rugby anymore. That's a great message and a great summary from Joey. Thanks for the message, Joey.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Joey. I think you've hit nail on the head. I mean, club rugby standard isn't what it used to be. Well, club rugby at the moment, the way we're going, ain't going to be a thing in 10 years' time, unfortunately. But numbers are dwindling at a rate of knots, so you know, I know we're talking about the All Blacks today, but there's a lot going on in New Zealand rugby that I think, yep, it's great to sign these deals, it's great to have the front of the All Black jersey looking like a billboard now, but at some point you've actually got to really strip it back and look at the direction we're going and not be so obsessed about the money and be obsessed about how do we stay strong as a rugby nation, how do we want kids growing up in 20 years' time to still be dreaming of being an All Black and at least playing the game to start with, Kirst. That's... uh, I know know I've gone for a tangent there uh, There's some
1: big questions to be asked and um, I don't know where the solutions come but we are trying to find them something is clearly broken at the moment Um, someone needs to take responsibility and we need to find some solutions so these problems are fixed for our players for the fans that pay good money um, wearing All Blacks merchandise paying money to go to the games and paying money for subscriptions to be able to watch the rugby as well we need to fix this problem this is the run home on SENZ. We'd love your feedback, your involvement, double eight, double three. Some brutal messages coming in, but maybe that's the reality from Brian Beaver. You just said Bowden Barrett has been our best player over the last six months. I'm throwing you a grenade here, Beef. Uh Did you <laughs> not see the Super Rugby final? Uh, and Brian goes on to say, don't be a lap dog for Foster and Kane. Tell it like it should be told, Beaver. <laughs>
2: Well, Brian hasn't held back there. Uh, Brian, oh, I did watch the Super Rugby final, um, but unfortunately so did Bowdoin's Ford pack. And it's very hard to operate as a 10 when your forwards are not actually at Eden Park. And secondly, mate, I, I think I am telling it like this, I'm not going to he- sit here and personally attack Fozzie, but I, I did openly say at the start I thought the attack was poor, I thought the attack was predictable, I didn't think they fired any shots, which in the end comes back at Fozzie. So well, I feel like I am being pretty objective here. But uh, no, you won't get me attacking Sam Kane as a person, and you certainly won't get me attacking Fozzy as a person, but I certainly have highlighted where I thought they fell well, well short on on Saturday night.
1: And everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, try and be nice, though. We want to champion the champions on the show. We've always said it. have Tabby joining us here on The Run Home. We are dissecting the All Blacks performance over the last couple of weeks and we've had some great messages coming in. There's some good ones here, Beeb. I'm going to read some of the good ones out so we can get some positivity into the show to pick ourselves back up. Hey, Kirsten Beeb, I was at the game. It was the best atmosphere since the 2015 final. Had a great night with my Irish mates at D4 and the $141 to one same-game multi got... And and numbed the pain, beef. Mm. Beer will also do that.
2: Yeah, and if your tab accounts paying for your beer, then even better.
1: Exactly. Oh. Dave goes on to say, beef. Our fans do feel the pain. We heard the same last November. Only one player would make the World Fifteen right now. That is Ardie Savia, uh, who should be the next captain. Ardie was incredible. He single-handedly. Just pulled in, back into it. Just like brilliant. individual yes. brilliance, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and, and and hey, you're probably right though. If you picked the team right now, how many would make a world fifteen? Th- I think you'd still chuck a Will Jordan in there. I, I think he would fifteen or well, he's playing winger at the moment, Kirst. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there's probably not a whole lot else right now. But that's not to say there isn't guys that can make it. I mean, I mean, we've got two for locks who. Unfortunately, geez, weren't, the, weren't the Irish boys strong at lock? I didn't think they had that sort of calibre up front. Jeez, uh, my the, word.
1: Oh, the turnovers that they were winning, the it's line-outs true, that they were winning.
2: an open space. Um, so, no, they they had some great stuff. Sun- y- y-
1: we weren't great, but you have to give that side credit, don't you? And we're going to yeah. bring Eason if they were on to talk about Ireland because they were seriously impressive.
2: Late change-up, is it? Is it Eason?
1: I mean, sorry, not Asa. <laughs> Do you know why I said that? It's because we just got a text about Asa. He was on the breakdown with us last night. Um, yes. And he was, honestly, his insights were awesome. Someone's just Great texted through brilliant insights last night. What a shame we lost him. We definitely need some rugby IQ in this team. Pick the correct players. Play them in their positions. Uh, don't... S- I don't even know what that word is, but don't something to players wanting to pick their positions. Rico and Barrett, is the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog?
2: Maybe we need Issa's intelligence on the show as yeah, well. Yeah, because
1: I, I don't understand the text. You Sorry, Tim.
2: Beaver, uh, is Aaron Smith too predictable or does he pass, never run, so make it easier to defend against him? Uh, no names about that text. What, what I'll say about that is Aaron Smith, I thought, was very good at Eden Park. What did we have at Eden Park that we haven't had in the last two weeks? We had momentum. It's very tough for a halfback to pass off. Sorry, off to run off slow ball. Our next guest will tell you that. Although he would try to run at any opportunity, if you're not going forward as a halfback, you just can't run. So Aaron Smith's game is, you know, it's built on pass first. But when he can get out, as he was seeing at Eden Park when he was getting out from rucks and playing a little inside balls and playing outside balls, he's a different footballer. But you know, at the moment with the current go forward or lack of you know, his running game is very, very well nullified.
1: A message in from Adam here. Firstly, uh, Beav, hope you had a big fill-up on Cam Smith. I, I wish uh, you told me about that tip on Thursday.
2: Sh- sh- old Scheffler faded for me, so I was there. I think if I was re- I was listening to the, uh, the Breakfast Boys this morning driving to the airport, and I do believe, I think Adam might have had a fill-up on Cam Smith, and they were talking about, He's just always there, isn't he? He is always in the money at the moment, so a bit naive not to go on him, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't.
1: He's always there when it comes to PGA, and our Foxy's always there or thereabouts on the European tour, so hopefully he'll get back on the bandwagon shortly as well. We'll, we'll get back on him. Yeah, he'll get. we'll get back on him. Um, the rest of this message, I would put Razor in the chair, give him the keys, and let him select his own coaching group. Put up with the upfront losses to the Africans and rebuild the team so we can see how it operates on the Northern Tour. If we lose the two tests in Africa and draw the bledders, though, do we really keep Ian Foster and co? One thing I do hope is that Fozzie and Sam Kane are mentally all right with the heat they have coped. Absolutely. That is the utmost importance as well Um, at the end of the day, that they are mentally, emotionally, and physically all okay because they are human beings at the end of the day. We're going to go into the coaching structure, though, because Beaver's going to give us insight Um, into the different scenarios facing New Zealand rugby at the moment from a player's perspective. He's not going to pick what should or shouldn't happen because that's not his job, but he is going to give us um, some insights into the situation. Um, And just lastly, uh, All Black fan for life, no matter what that is from Les a Mulu's fan, of course. We're all All Blacks fans, aren't we? We all are. Of course course we are. We We love this team. This is our team. Coming up on the makers menu, thanks to Delivery, Isaac Boss coming up very, very shortly uh, to review, to celebrate that Irish performance. Sarah Carly Ross as well, former Olympian, coming on the programme to talk about the Athletics World Championships in Oregon. Just wrapped up for the day. And after 6 o'clock, we talk golf. We talk the British Open and the brilliant Cam Smith, the Aussie golfer with Nick O'Hearn, Semi-retired golfer himself and host of our SEN uh, golf program that you can listen to on our app as well. Plus Drive to Survive, we've got $50, all thanks to the TAB, to give away today. If you need a wee fill-up, listen out for your cuter call after 6 o'clock. That's the Maccas menu. Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Maccas favourites delivered with McDelivery. And that is that.
5: Ireland win the series.
1: for 2022 (laughs) Ireland. Yeah, and a former Irish international, played for Leinster and Ulster, and most recently, and most notably, the Tokoroa Southern United side. Isaac Boss joins us now live. You've been calling it for the last three weeks on this programme. Beaver may have not believed you, but after the weekend, he has to. Congratulations. Uh, what has the reaction been like? Did you have a few Guinnesses to celebrate? Uh, yes, I, I, yes I, uh, I
6: did have a few Guinnesses to celebrate to be honest, and um it didn't go down as well as what they do in Dublin, to be honest. So we're going to have to try and sort out the quality of Guinness here in New Zealand somehow. something else. So we switched to whiskey pretty quick, and that was uh, that wasn't too bad.
2: You're talking about the quality of Islands uh, Guinness. What's what are you hearing from your mates back in Ireland? Obviously, you're still in touch with many of the uh, old boys. They would have been uh, pretty pumped up themselves.
6: Yeah, pretty pumped up. Obviously, it um, uh, sounds that. Bit rough getting on the planes. I think they've just boarded another plane now on the way back to Ireland. I think they went by Doha, so uh, I saw a few shots of. Um, it obviously, looks like uh, the business class Slounge was getting hit there, <laughs> and then uh, they're on their on their way back uh, back to Dublin. So. Uh, I think they've, uh, they're have they still celebrating, I think. I think some, uh, one of the guys was even on champagne, so if he's been on champagne the whole time, <laughs> he's really going at it.
1: Can we just take a moment to appreciate the celebrations from the side? Uh, Bundy Aki and Peter Omani at Courtney Place and uh, the wee hours of Saturday morning with Bundy stealing someone's chicken. How good was that? Uh, I
6: know, I know. Yeah, the KFC fried chicken, <laughs> and nowhere near as good as here. And, um, Any uh, any of the Island boys that have been overplayed in Ireland would be able to tell you that as well.
2: Uh, Bossy, obviously we've got to talk about the footy, and you have been quite chipper and quite confident about the way that the Irish team were heading. Was there a little bit of you that thought, could they back up Dunedin?
6: Nah, to be honest, um, I actually thought of the whole thing, I thought we would have um, won the first test and maybe struggled in the rest. And I think... um, the fact that they played so poorly maybe gave the All Blacks a little bit of a false sense of confidence, no scoring off all those um, five or six errors that they don't usually make. So they just once they tidied that up, you know, and obviously the roll on from Dunedin as everyone was, um, they still haven't proved a point because there was the big, um, you know, cloud over that card, and, and and was that the difference? So I think they still had a had a point to prove, and I think when they come out in the weekend, it was just it was another level, wasn't it? Everything that. I think everyone was waiting for a fast start, you know, no mistakes, pretty well drilled, and and yeah, they just took it to another level.
2: When you talk about the fast starts and and the no mistakes, now obviously you were part of the Leinster teams with Johnny Sexton and the likes, and it seems to me that when they get on a roll like that, it's almost clockwork, it almost looks like a a glorified team run, how fluid it is. What, What is it that gets them to that level? Because it it looks like it would be very tough to replicate week in, week out, but we've seen it now three tests in a row, especially that first twenty minutes where it is so sharp.
6: Yeah, it is so sharp, eh? and I, to be honest, I I remember saying this to you when I first come back from uh, from Island Bees and we were playing at Waikato some of our trainings are a couple of hours. I was like, holy <laughs> heck, this is tough. But, um, yeah, like a lot of our team trainings have gone more than an hour or so and you basically, but it's a, a full-on, just drill non-stop, you know, like almost regiment time when you you ride on. And they do a lot of work uh, on individual stuff outside of it, and little mini units where they'll sort of get together and practice those little little plays. But some of that is interchanges. I just think the general school level of, of the forwards there is is increasing, and they do spend so much time individually on on working on their skills that you wouldn't imagine, like the passing and, and the short changes that, that the lines they're running. I was actually, you know, that stuff you usually you usually see from um, all black forwards traditionally, and you, and you wouldn't accustom to to guys that um, to the Irish guys.
2: Where does uh, obviously you probably didn't have anything to do with them as a player, but. What are you hearing about Andy Farrell amongst the lads?
6: Yeah, very good. Um, they're just enjoying. As um, you know, obviously uh, the guys enjoyed um, what Joel and that brought, but what um, what our uh, Faz is bringing is just different in terms of probably a little bit more relaxed uh, and things like that. So, and obviously they didn't feel under as much pressure as ever. we all thought that they were under after that first test loss, you know. And and I think um, uh, the confidence from from the coaching staff is coming out and the players. And I think they've got a very good wider group as well in terms of the management and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, I, yeah, they're, re- they're really, really enjoying it. Actually, interesting enough, and Bent, he might have said, said it to you. I think he might have had him on the show a couple of last week or earlier in the week, Michael Bent. He just sort of said he never felt so welcome in an environment mm. um, when he when he when he came in for, for that moldys game, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's what it's like.
2: Now, this is obviously crystal ball stuff now, Bossy. If I remember, just before the Japan World Cup, Ireland were, I think, number one test-ranked team in the world and flying. Mm. Do you have more confidence now that the, the results we've seen in the last two weeks has them propelling themselves to being genuine World Cup contenders and go where they've never gone before?
6: I remember talking to you about this at the, um, the World Cup and I think you only read me four times Beaver. three times in the <laughs> last three weeks and once back in the last World Cup three uh, uh, anyway, Anyway, uh, no, no, to be honest um, this has happened before this happened in 2006 I think when we're, yes. I was playing we were coming in 2007 World Cup where we were ranked maybe two then uh, and we didn't even make the quarterfinals. so we do have, uh, and I we do have a habit of peaking very early uh, the year before and a couple of times there's been golden generations and this has been labelled as another golden generation and um, they're one big hoodoo. They've got, they've obviously got over the ABs uh, now regularly. Uh, they've got over that series down here um, but they've never made um, made it past the quarterfinals and um, famously again in 2011 we beat Australia and teed up Wales and we, and we lost to them when we were, we were a hot favourite. So again, um, we, we all meet each other in, in, that, in that quarterfinal stage so... Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And um, I I actually think, you know, they've they've got no reason why they can't. They've ticked every other box, but um, now expectation is immense. Uh, uh, That's going to be the big hurdle, I think, and it's going to come down to the war.
2: I'm just trying to work out, Chris, how many generations are allowed to be golden? At one stage, one of them's got to slip into bronze and silver, surely.
1: The golden generation. (laughs) It's like all the golden guests that we have on our show. <laughs>
6: Bossy's oh, another no, no. one of those
1: golden guests. One of, of, the, best.
6: Oh, one of the best. One the I don't know. Different, they're a different generation now. How old is <laughs> the generation? Is it twenty, thirty years? So oh, that's three times in a century, isn't it? As Ireland's got three of them in, in 12 years. <laughs>
2: now, now you're asking questions that the intelligent hosts on this show just can't yep, answer. Yeah,
6: sorry. <laughs> It's
1: been awesome to have you on the program over the last couple of weeks, and we'll actually have to get you on for your rugby knowledge, just not your not just your Irish rugby knowledge as well. Uh, I'll, make, I'll make sure Beaver you. keeps in contact with you, you know, outside of this uh, July window. Yeah, I'll
6: probably got a chance. The way you said it there okay, oh, sounds like you won't speak to me until another team in the Irish to come back. <laughs> we'll, eh? we'll oh, talk well, to you hold on, hold on hold Monday on. after
1: you get talking all through to the final.
6: Uh, two more, two more games. Two more, yeah, okay, no, got, two we're weeks. We're playing uh Toperty which is Beaver's brothers team, so uh no wonder. i expect maybe a bit of heckling there. He's coaching, isn't he, Gavin? So you can tell him now if he's listening, we lost on the weekend so the we got him for them. Look out. I guess it's a must win for us. And, and, and the a good thing to thing. The Braden Larry Coates cup is up for grabs as well, which is a pretty important one for if you don't know the for, the, um, for your listeners, you're going to have to do some search on that. So uh, <laughs> hopefully Southern United, that's the, the next biggest ticket this weekend.
1: Well, there you go. We'll get you on uh, right cool, after cluster. and we'll find out if you've taken the cup.
6: <laughs> Pleasure. All right. Isaac, Jeez, boss, boys.
1: thank you so Jeez, much mate. for joining us on the programme. Uh, fantastic to be able to celebrate with you. Beaver, to me, Ireland seem like they've got this attitude and the swagger about them, like they cannot lose, and they believe it. Last week, they beat the All Blacks for the first time, and they said, job's not done. They win the series in New Zealand, and instantly, they say, job's not done. They're already looking ahead to the Rugby World Cup.
2: Well, I mean, bossy touched on there ever so slightly. For those that don't realise, our quarterfinal opponent is either going to be the Springboks, the yep. defending champions, yep. or Ireland. Yeah, which one That's do you want quarter. right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say we don't want Ireland.
2: Ooh, I'd still take Ireland.
1: You'd take Ireland over South Africa in the quarterfinal right now. Who would you take? Double eight, double three, let us know. Who would you take in the quarterfinal? If it was tomorrow, are you taking Ireland or are you taking the box? Or maybe
2: not tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> in a year's time, please.
1: Okay, in a year's well, Well, in, in 14 months' time. In 14 months' time, so long as we make it through to that quarterfinal.
2: Oh, come on.
1: Depending Paris. on the result against France, we play first in Paris at Stade de France in 14 months' time in the Rugby World Cup opener. We will play Springboks or Ireland in the quarterfinals. Who will it be? Who do you want it to be?
7: Voltaire Voltaren Rapid 25 Wrap-Up.
1: Yeah, today, in our Voltaren Rapid Wrap-Up, well, there are two scenarios facing New Zealand rugby. Uh, we're just three weeks out from their tour of South Africa, two tests over in the Hive Out, and just two days out from uh, New Zealand rugby naming the rugby championship squad. They'll name it on Wednesday. 36 players will be named. There'll be changes because there have been injuries, uh, just like to Brodie Retallick, who unfortunately is out for the foreseeable future with a fractured cheekbone. But we understand there's an emo- emergency board meeting on Wednesday the same day that squad is named Um, which tells me one thing Ian Foster's not going anywhere but the two scenarios I guess Ian Foster stays um, and the coaching staff stay and they ride it out to the Rugby World Cup or they make changes um, to the backroom staff can you explain to us what each situation would mean?
2: Fozzie going completely if it's. Is that, on the uh, uh, is that even
1: possible? When I, I they can't. go, unless they go in nine days, they go into camp on Monday, and a team is named Wednesday. How can they possibly get rid of him? Like well, to if, be blunt.
2: If it was seen as that big of issue, then they would just would have been to, gone. It would just have to. For me, what I see happening is, I would imagine Joe Schmidt is going to be Full Noise and assistant coach, and he will either come in as the attack coach. Uh, defence coach or whatever that would then mean someone is probably either surplus to requirements or they would get a very downtrodden portfolio such as skills and what have you. So that is all that I can see happening. Like for all the hype and hoopla that there's this emergency board meeting and we're going to have a press conference after it all the rest of it. The only thing I can see is Joe Smith being a fully fledged on the grass coach, which he probably should have been all along, as opposed to just getting him in as a selector.
1: He probably wants that, to be fair. Look what happened at the Blues. He came into the Blues to be an independent consultant and to help Leon McDonald out. He then got into the environment and he said, he openly said he missed being on the whistle. He missed being on the ground and actually being able to help. He probably yeah, so, wants to help out with the coaching, right? Not just selections.
2: Yeah, well, I'd imagine right now he's probably seeing plenty that he thinks is wrong and he wants to be able to make an impact. You can't make an impact from selecting if you're not then selecting the guys and then implementing what you'd foresee them doing.
1: So knowing what we know, um, because all we know at the moment, we don't know what they're going to do. We're just making presumptions here um, that Fozzie's going to stay and that there may be shuffles elsewhere. Yep. What impact does that have on this group of players that actually they're away, they're at home at the moment this week. You already said it's going to be an uncomfortable week. It's not going to be a nice week for them. They can't relax because they're thinking about what happened over the weekend. How how does this impact them three weeks out for, from this trip to South Africa? And and will this change anything? Do you see them going over to South Africa and getting results? Or does that not matter at the moment?
3: Oh,
2: no, it matters. And, and, but I actually think I think it will change have a bit of a spike for them because I mean it's not it's not massively secretive that the reviews of the last two or three years have been exactly been rosy on the on the environment and on certain individuals coaching so I don't think I don't think anyone will be against a bit of a shake-up and I don't think they're against hearing a voice I mean we all saw the media coverage when they had Crono and Joe Schmidt in their for and Park test. They were all talking, waxing lyrical. They won it spending too. Time. <laughs> They also won it. They were waxing lyrical about spending time with these icons of coaching. So I think they'd be actually genuinely excited. The thing is, and we've talked about it off air, there was once a time where the All blacked entire coaching group
4: was All-star. the best.
2: All Star was the best of the best. And that's the way you envision it as a player. And obviously... This time round, because there were so many jobs on the table and New Zealand rugby took forever to decide who they wanted, uh, probably four or five of our very best were not options. So you take out the Japan 2 and Brown and Joseph, you take out Rennie, you take out Robbie Deans who's already gone, who still sits in that category for mind. Uh, Gatland, well, mean Gatland had gone, I don't know what he had done by that stage, he was offered for Chiefs. So, all of these so-called big New Zealand Joe Schmidt had already committed to stepping down from Ireland but not being a part of any coaching. So all of a sudden, all these top, top echelon New Zealand coaches were actually off the table for, to be assistants or to work together. And hey, look, egos might have stopped it happening anyway. They might not want to have worked together. But, Some pretty
1: incredible uh, minds from the people that you've just listed off, though.
2: Well, and, and when you think back to a sort of a Smith-Hanson-Henry yeah. group, they put... Everything aside, you know, and said, right, let's work together and be an absolute powerful three. And then you chuck in Mike Cron, who was regarded as the best scrum coach in the mix. And then you chuck in a guy who I think has been really forgotten about and neglected in his absolute expertise. is a guy like Mick Byrne, who was sort of fifth coach in that all Black group. And he was there as a skills coach. He was there as a kicking coach. He was, and the boys' skills went through the roof. Teams are still doing mix creations and yet it's been watered down a bit Chinese whispers a little bit and you don't quite get the absolute quality that it is when it's delivered from the the man himself I can speak openly that as far as you know they talk about mental skills and you need someone for your mental skills well when it came to my goal kicking which is all mental like goal kicking is all mental Mick was my greatest mental coach because he would always tell me what needs to be done and you're on the right track here or, or no, we need to sort this out, and then we'll be on the right track. That's that's as good as coaching as you can get. So, yeah, it's just we seem to have just gone away from having that absolute top echelon options.
1: We don't have the all-star cast at the moment, but maybe, just maybe we'll get there. Probably won't be a change to the head coach, but potentially to the assistants. Don't let back pain get in the way. Get fast relief with Voltarin Rapid 25. Read the label user-directed. If symptoms persist, see your doctor. Incorrect use may be harmful. Do not use if you have stomach ulcers. GSK Auckland. as you've just heard in Johnny Mac's news, we've had plenty of Kiwis in action in Oregon at the Athletic World Championships. And joining us to talk about it, all thanks to Mick Delivery, former New Zealand Olympian and heptathlete Sarah Carly ross Sarah, kia ora, welcome into the programme and thank you for giving up your time. Um, there's so many of athletes we can talk about and we will talk about Eddie, Zoe Hobbs, of course, Jack O'Gill and Tom Walsh. Who's impressed you over the weekend?
7: Oh, I think our Kerry sprinters um, have really stood up. Q.C. Yeah. I'm so impressed with Eddie's 1008, uh, and then Zoe 1108 to get to the semi-finals. That's a great performance. And what I like is that now they have the experience at that semi-final level to then use that to go on from here.
1: Let's go into Eddie a little bit um, deeper. There must have been an interesting conversation because um, he is now our fastest man and he broke his father's record, didn't he?
7: I know. And how cool is that for a start? Like, you know, think about that your dad was the fastest guy in New Zealand. Yeah. You go out on this mission to break the New Zealand record that your father held. So I think that is so cool there is so much more that we will see of Eddie. He is a raw talent. Yeah. You look at him when he runs, he's not polished. Um, he's, he loves it. He absolutely lives for the moment. And you can see he's a racer. Because when he comes when he, when he comes out in New Zealand and in Australia, where we've seen him over the domestic season, he, he does enough to win. But when he's in the championship with guys like Fred Curley that are running 9.79 in the heat, he thrives on the competition. And just... Just bear in mind as well that he's not in the super shoes. So we will see definite improvements in Eddie to come in the future.
2: Sarah, when you talk about Eddie's improvements is, and he's not the finished product, is it a technique thing or is it just physically still got some developing to do or where do you see that coming?
7: Oh, I think across the board. Um, you, you know you, you, definitely technical but also he, he's not um he's not necessarily got the training years ahead of them that some of these other guys that he's racing against he's 21 and to be at the level he's at now is, is really impressive but i think if he can you know tidy up some aspects on and off the track i, I think we'll see um, some really exciting things in the future and you know hopefully we'll see our first t- sub 10 guy. Um, it's, it's really possible
1: That's that would be amazing wouldn't it, it would be incredible, um, what about Zoe Hobbs she's um, sort of been hard done by over the last couple of years a little bit but I guess going over to Oregon she's proved making it through to the semi-finals that she can foot it um, if she's able to compete on these big stages with the biggest names
7: yeah and, and it's, just, it's really hard to make it Yeah, um, for these championships in athletics but super hard if you're a if you're a 100 metre sprinter, it's so deep the, the depth of talent. And so Zoe, I think she really stood up at the World Indoors this year. That that gave her the opportunity to say, hey, I belong on this world stage. She made the semi-finals there, and she had a really good outing in the semi-finals today, 11:13. Uh, but after the false start, and you can't underestimate the, the um, sort of a little bit of disruption to the athletes with that false start they re- they reset and they go again um, but that's a really good time for Zoe and bear in mind it's year she was running 1132 and we were all so stoked about that for so now semi-finalist new Oceania record holder yeah. 1108 outright
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, wasn't the day today for Tom Walsh, uh, fourth place today, Jack O'Gill was in seventh place, but um, I suppose for them, uh, are they looking ahead to the Commonwealth Games? That's the pinnacle event for them this year?
7: Oh, I think this is, this is the pinnacle event for these guys, um, for certainly for Tom. Um yeah. He was just really disappointed, gutted, actually. 22.08, 20, 25 centimetres down on the season best, and obviously his personal best, 22 metres 90. I think overall the guys didn't... I would have expected Krauser or one of the big guys to win in 23 metres, um, but Tom, you know, it just wasn't his day. That yeah. sport, you got to be on at this level. Right now, men's shot put is at crazy levels, and, and he should be in the mix in... That's not to say he can't be in the mix because I know that physically he is in incredible shape so it's just those those minor details which actually make a huge difference on the day.
1: When you look at our team as a whole and what they managed to achieve in Oregon um, and given the fact we are just a couple of weeks away from the Commonwealth Games, um, what do you think our medal chances are?
7: I think there's some people that have um, performed really well and will springboard off this. There there has been a couple of people who are who will be disappointed with their performances. The likes of Hamish Kerr, third at the World Indoors, Um, Julia Ratcliffe, you know, tenth at the Olympics last year, didn't make the final, but. Those two in particular, I think we'll see them bounce back really strongly for Birmingham, and across the board, the likes of Tom, he will not be satisfied with this result. Yeah. Jacko, I just mentioned Jacko as well, Seventh today twenty one forty. that's a really good result for him, um, but he will also be right in the mix in Birmingham. I think this is an exciting time for athletics,
3: yeah.
7: um, and i Really looking forward to the Commonwealth Games, 10 days away now.
1: It is, just 10 days away. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the programme. We'll have to get you back on during the packed schedule um, of the Commonwealth Games, but it's been brilliant being able to tap into your knowledge.
7: Good, great to talk to you guys, and thanks very much for uh, for watching the Athletics go the Kiwis. It's, it's been awesome.
1: It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Sarah Cowley-Ross joining us uh, to talk about the Athletics World Champs in Oregon. Uh, that is all thanks to McDonald's staying in to watch the sport Let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. A couple of text messages in here, babe. Uh They keep coming on the All Blacks. Uh, no comment, but we all know Joe Schmidt will sort out this rabble. Yeah I,
2: think, yeah, I think Ken, I think he's, if I was a betting man, one way or the other, Joe Schmidt is going to be involved, so we're all going to have to be in on Joe Schmidt, be it assistant or, or what have you, Ken, so absolutely, I'm sure he I'm sure he can, he's got plenty of experience. Uh, Paul, Texas, I can't believe people think they'll change coaches before <laughs> Thursday, would be a mistake, get Africa out of the way first, Paul. The only f- and this is the, f- the funny side of it, Paul. If you were to say that you're going to change coaches after Africa, <laughs> it's a hell of a last hurrah for you, not it? If you're Fozzy, uh, go over to the world champions. Um, enjoy that. After and, this- uh, <laughs> After this, you're gone.
1: <laughs> what if uh, we turn this around and we win too? Yeah, Does all true. this chat go away?
2: You couldn't, you couldn't risk that there, Paul. So I reckon it's either it's, everything happens on Wednesday, it has to it's happen. It's all or on nothing. Wednesday. Yeah. You can't, you can't say do a little bit more.
1: Uh, from Troy, never good for the All Blacks to go through these hard times but better now to feel the pain and use this for change as needed. The World Cup is the prize we chase so let's not let emotions make us think any different right now. Could open up an opportunity. Beaver, roll out the kick to the squad to show them how you move from despair to World Cup glory. (laughs) Plenty of time to watch it on the South African flight. I'm pretty sure it's on Air New Zealand, isn't it? It's on repeat every time I jump on the aeroplane. I literally see it on every single screen on the Seats in front of me, they're all That's watching be- it.
2: <laughs> That's because you take your iPad. It's not on the, it's not on the airplane. You take your iPad. You've downloaded it.
1: Of course I have. I've watched it about a thousand <laughs> times. Great acting once again from your mate.
2: <laughs> My man David.
1: Look, if you need, if you need a feel-good story right now, go and download it. Go and watch the kick. Text here on the temper and big post text machine. From RC, I'd be more worried about losing the Bledisloe Cup than the two tests in South Africa. After how many years locked away? My Aussie mates thinks they're a shoo-in. Come on, fill us with confidence, B. Tell us we're bringing the Bledisloe back.
2: The Bledisloe's going nowhere. It's going nowhere.
1: Good. It's all we need. From it's all just seen. a bit of confidence and belief. Absolutely. Um, And give us another little piece of belief. Do you still think the All Blacks will win the Rugby World Cup next year because they're no longer favourites at the TAB? They've dropped.
2: They've dropped 25 cents. I've just seen that. Mm. And if you're still going to put a gun to my head and say, you've got to name one team right now, I'm still putting it on them. But I'd also have a little secret fiver on the 625. They're still offering for the box. That's juicy for me. 6.25
1: on South Africa. Okay, well, let's bring in the man that knows exactly what the odds are, Paul Moate from the TAB Bet Live. On your favourite sports, download the TAB app today. Paul, uh, have you set the odds, or have you looked at the odds today, uh, the updated odds for the Rugby World Cup next year after everything going on on the weekend?
5: Yeah, there's been a wee bit of movement there. Uh, The All Blacks have drifted slightly. They're now out to 3.75. The favourites on the top line of betting are now France at three dollars and fifty cents. The Irish they've tightened in there now into six dollars, uh, equal with the English, uh, also at six dollars. Who oh, uh, came down and won a three-match series against a Southern Hemisphere opponent, and the South Africans who sort of they, they change their team every Test match just about. They that they, they make wholesale change. They don't care. Um, I'm sure they've got all eyes on defending the World Cup, uh, and they're six fifty. And as Beaver said they're probably worth a little go as well. They they don't mind losing the odd test match here and there as long as they are fully prepared when they head into a World Cup and we're not that far away from the next World Cup. So, yeah, uh, All Blacks now 375, second favourites behind France at 350. The Australians, they're at $10. Um, even though they lost that series to the English, I think uh, Dave Rennie is starting to build a wee bit of depth there. It really got tested uh, with the... I guess with the red cards and the injuries that they had, uh, but they didn't look the worst. So Australia might be worth a little nibble as well at $10. And then we're down to a, the Welsh at 17 Argentina at 51 who themselves uh, won their home series against Scotland over
2: the weekend. Now, Paul, after the tightest three-zip victory I can remember in cricketing history, uh, we now start 2020 <laughs> games against the Irish, and we're still hot, hot favourites. Uh, 335 for Ireland in the shortest version of the game probably is not a bad look.
3: It's
5: not. Uh, and the way the Irish are going at the moment, you, you'd have to think they're a wee bit of a chance. It, the rule of thumb usually is the, the shorter the game, the closer the two teams should uh, become. Uh, but the money at the moment uh, is, is suggesting that uh, the Black Caps. Uh, are U in here and they're not going to let the Irish get uh, as close as they did in the one day matches so they've been backed at 129 in the top run scorer market, uh, the best back there, uh, Martin Guptill and Finn Allen, Guptill 340, Finn Allen at $4 they're the two best backed in the New Zealand top run scorer market but uh, I guess some New Zealand punters are looking for a wee bit of revenge here and they've backed the Black Caps at $1.29
1: There's no way you'd ever bet against the Black Caps, Beeve.
2: I know there isn't, but cheapers. What a tight run thing this 50 over carry-on's been.
1: (laughs) Also, you came close on the weekend with Beaver's Best. There was only one leg that missed out. Did you have to give out much money on Cam Smith's victory at the Open, Paul?
5: He was very well-backed. There were a number of punters who jumped on. I guess maybe they got a word from his Kiwi uh, caddy. Uh, Mr. Pinfold, who, uh, um, who I, I, I believe doesn't mind a punt himself, I think Cam Smith got out to fifty-one dollars during the tournament. Um, after who was it? it? Was Rory McElroy and a few others got away? Oh, Cam Young was a uh, leader after the first round, but uh, Cam Smith very well back. The biggest bet we took on him a thousand dollars at twenty-three uh, before the tournament started. So twenty-three k to that punter ban. Uh, this uh, this morning and there are a number of other punters who jumped on as well he was very well supported and, and not surprisingly either he, uh, well, he's won the players earlier this season he's been there or thereabouts in a number of tournaments, he's playing very very good golf in that final round, wow he he thoroughly deserved his victory sad to see Rory go down but the Irish can't have all the winnings <laughs> this weekend <laughs>
1: that's right, that's right Paul Hey, thank you so much for joining us today and we'll talk to you later in the week cheers
5: guys, have a good one Paul Moati
1: from the TAB watching bet live and your favourite sports and racing at the TAB.co.nz. Do gamble responsibly. It is r18. Quick message from Dave: Get on the French to win the Rugby World Cup. Ireland were eleven dollars last October. Will lose both games in South Africa. And he's calling me out, Kirsty. Remember when you asked how many games would win out of twelve, and you said eleven. Dave said six or seven, and I laughed at him. Okay, sorry, Dave.
3: We've had a ton of messages
1: today on the temper and bedpost text machine. So sorry if we haven't managed to get to all of them. This one's come in several times though, so we have to mention it. Beaver from Sheppo, What are your thoughts on the great Padamahoe choke in the McNamara Cup final? Dale Budge was talking them up in the final.
2: Well, Patamahoe picked over the bones of the counties of a team that didn't make the uh, club comps. I made a few extras in there, so, yeah, no sympathy.
1: Oh, OK, OK. The record's (laughs) been set straight. When we come back from news and sport, we're chatting golf with Nick O'Hearn Plus. Drive to Survive next hour as well. Do you want an extra 50 bucks in your TAB account after the weekend? Listen for your cuticle between 6 and 7 o'clock. This is The Run Home on SENZ.
6: Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Delivery. Kick back and relax. It's time for the Run Home with Kirsten Beeve.
1: Oh, the text messages. Um, Beaver, I don't know if you're ready for this. but i am going okay, to, I'm, back. I'm going to read a couple for you. Yes. Um, hi, guys. It feels similar to when Todd Blanketer was Crusaders coach. Close but no cigar. Unfortunately, sometimes you have to back the man with the hot hand. A band aid will result in a tough 18 months for fans and players. Cheers. So that's, that's demanding a change, really,
2: isn't it? That's that's what the hot hand would say.
1: But if the team, if if parts, if some elements of the team change, that will change things, won't it? You think so? You just need to make the right changes.
2: Yes, and you know, I I think the United Rugby Union has to look at it. I mean, they've had they've been reviewing this group of coaches for the last three years. And it's so continuous reviews. There's reviews on top of reviews. Every we're six actually, months. <laughs> we're actually reviewing reviews now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who's so, doing the
1: reviewing? Who's yeah. reviewing the review?
2: Probably the same people who have appointed the people to get the reviews in the first place. So it's, you know, it's...
1: It's become a it's, bit of a joke.
2: It has become a joke because, I think, mean, as I said, it's common knowledge that there is these reviews haven't been great for mm. three years. And now we're reviewing one from only six months ago is technically three tests after the last review.
1: So, so they I got it wrong.
2: Well, I don't know what that review's going to tell you. Like
1: That's different review. to la- the last one.
2: You can just listen, watch our uh, text machine or listen to our show for your review of the last three weeks. Oh,
1: well, I was just going to say, lucky our show doesn't get reviewed. What would, the, <laughs> what would the critics be saying?
2: Well, we wouldn't have survived the year. I would, wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. as long as it's, it's our birthday tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it is our birthday.
1: We've love. made it a year. Well done, Beef.
2: It still amazes me. Mm.
1: Uh... Curse Beeb, it seems a case of the heebie-jeebies has rattled the All Blacks. This will pass. The natural order will prevail. I'm confident that the executive will listen to the voices of the passionate nation. Let's be positive. We've been through these cycles of highs and lows before. Remember, ma'a, look at me now. Newspaper headlines after a long lull in form. All good. P.S. Butter is finally a better price at Countdown. Bake a cake. Have some hot toast. Whoop, whoop. All that, well, that's great news.
2: That's all we needed to know. As long as that butter starts to pull down. Baking a cake, very therapeutic there, Kirstie, uh, you We'll make about. one for tomorrow. Absolutely. You're, you're
1: missing out on the celebrations. You should come in for the first birthday tomorrow. These cupcakes, these everything. It's a real party.
2: Uh, let me get back to you on that. That's uh,
1: clearly a no. The cupcakes <laughs> did not entice beef, which surprises me considering he's got the sweetest tooth of anyone we know.
2: It is the only lure that could possibly get me when you're starting to talk party food. Uh but yeah, interesting about where they go to from here, Kirst. Um here's an interesting one. Jeez, oh, I hate being on radio every day, Kirst, because if you say something, um people always remember it.
1: I know um, that, and we don't remember. <laughs> but but like Dave, like me laughing at Dave, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> I, I should have known you wouldn't forget that.
2: Beef, I remember your comments prior to both last <laughs> tests that if AVS I'm glad produce, they're coming at you this time. <laughs> that would both produce a bit of a massacre. Over the Irish, and I feared for a bounce back from Ireland and Dunedin. I watched the warm up in Dunedin, and then there was noticeable drop balls, passes behind them. Looking at the Irish, they were slick. Interesting, to listen to Carmo's interview on Staffy Show. Carmo seen the same in Wellington during the warm ups. Never underestimate rusty looking drills prior to kick off. Cheers, Tristan. It's. I, sometimes that's fair, and sometimes. It's irrelevant. I used to be like that, Tristan. I remember us in the Chiefs having some of the worst captain's runs and the worst pre-game warm-ups, and you're just thinking, oh, no, tonight (laughs) is going to be some night at the office. And then it just magically falls into gear, and after about 20 minutes, you're still thinking, you're waiting for this warm-up to kick into you. You were terrible, but you just keep rolling with it. But, yeah, there is an element of that. Um, But what you're saying, Tristan, is maybe there is just – a team just completely devoid of confidence, and it'd been fascinating to watch them train last. You weren't even near training last. No, night. but we, funny
1: that that text comes in because Goldie has watched the last two captains' runs, or actually all three of them. But he said to us after that loss in Dunedin at the captains' run on Friday, they were they were dropping balls. He said it was the sloppiest captains' run that he'd ever seen from an All Blacks team, and look well, at the result.
2: There you go. Funny enough, Kurtz, just, just for of interest, I was actually probably man of the match of many a captain's run. No defense, no opposition. That's where I was at my best. I wish captain's runs could have been test matches. Chucky mm, Fish for beef. <laughs> I was real good at captain's
1: runs. <laughs> I'll give yourself a big tick, babe. Give yourself a big tick. Uh, look, we are going to celebrate some success here coming up on the Macca's menu. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Very shortly, we're crossing the ditch to our SEN golfing expert Nick O'Hearn. Was a former golfer himself. Still gets out on the fairways um, now too. Plus, we play Drive to Survive this hour for a fifty-dollar TAB bonus bet voucher. Listen in to top up the account, and of course, cream of the crop as we do every week. That's the Macca's menu, thanks to Delivery. But let's sit back and let's celebrate a true champion, a champion at the British Open. Well, perhaps you can tell us how you're going to celebrate tonight with the Clara jug. Uh,
2: I'm definitely going to find out how many beers fit in this thing, that's for sure.
1: Captain, many, many congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was an unbelievable performance at St Andrews on the final day to pick up the British Open and the Claret Jug. He sounds like a great character. Nick will know. Nick O'Hearn joins us now live. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. How special is this? How special is this for Australia?
4: Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, to win the Open at St Andrews, I mean, that's, as Rory McIlroy said earlier in the week, it, it really is the Holy Grail, and especially for Australians as well, I mean, what a great history we've got there with uh, Kel Nagel in the Centenary Open and Peter Thompson before him. So uh, Cameron's put his name up in lights, that's for sure.
1: Did you see this one coming? Did you feel this coming, even heading into the final day?
4: Well, you know, he was four back and people had sort of said, well, it's a bit of a two-horse race. But you, you always know with Cam, you know, if he gets the, the hot putter going, which he, he proved on the Friday, that anything is possible. And, you know, when he made the turn, he was, uh, I think, one under one under for the day. I think, no, actually two under for the day through nine. And he didn't actually birdie the ninth, which was a bit of a surprise. That was one of the holes that was gettable. But then all of a sudden, five birdies in a row, and it was game on. And, and he just took it away from Rory in the end. I mean, and the thing was, Rory played pretty well. I, I was very impressed by the way he played tee to green, but he just couldn't get the ball in the hole. And at the end of the day, that's what you've got to do to win major championships.
2: Nick, when you look at Cam's... Uh, I guess, recent years, a few years, this has always been a matter of time, not if, but when?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been very much a progression for him. Um, You know, winning the Players' Championship earlier this year is, obviously, they they regard that as the, the fifth major, so to speak. So that was, you know, the biggest tournament outside the majors to win. And, winning at Kapalua early in the year. His form leading up to the Open wasn't great, though. You know, he hasn't had a good two or three months, I would have said. And uh, But the tight 10th in Scottish Open last week really really sort of set the tone for him. You know, he obviously figured out, you know, the, the firmer ground and how to play and things like that. And He just got off to a great start Thursday and sort of never looked back until that, you know, I guess, a bit of a blip on Saturday when he, you know, hit that shot when standing in the bunker. It was probably not his wisest decision, but that's the way he plays golf, you know, and... And he uh, he didn't look too perturbed by it. He got on with the job, and today it was just amazing how cool and calm and collected he was throughout the entire back nine. And you know, just all credit to him and his caddy Sam for doing a great job and closing it out. You just mentioned his caddy. Obviously,
2: we're taking some credit for this. The Kiwi, the Kiwi influence on this. It's a great combination.
4: Uh, <laughs> tell tell us how
2: long have they been together?
4: I'm not exactly sure, to be honest, but it has been several years uh, for sure. You know, they've been a really good partnership uh, definitely since he's been in the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's funny with the caddies, they always say, well, we won and he lost. And in this case, we won, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Tell us a little bit more, Nick, about his backstory. He's obviously taken the golf world by storm. The world knows him uh, and that mullet as well. Um, But where did he come from? What's his story in Australia?
4: Well, you know, he's he's from Queensland. Uh, grew up playing in the high-performance programs over there. Grant Fields, his coach, is very well known uh, throughout the coaching industry. He's one of the best coaches in the world, I would say. Has a number of top players in his stable. But you know, Cameron's sort of been—he's he, never been the standout, so to speak. I mean, he he's had the talent uh, as far as short game and mental ability. But from Tita green, you know, he's not. Um, I guess players like Ryan Ruffles and maybe uh, Curtis Luck were probably outshone him early on, you, you would say. And then, um, you know, when he got that, that break, I think he managed to qualify for some uh, for some U.S. tour events, and then he did well in that U.S. Open a number of years ago out at Chambers Bay. That really sort of set the tone for him and, and, and kick-started him off. He ended up, you know, winning um, the, the the team's event in New Orleans early on in the PGA Tour in his career. So, But it was more, you know, the individual events. He, he had some good finishes, but he couldn't quite close it out. And then, obviously, he's played very, very well at the Masters, in the last couple of events there and had a great chance earlier this year to win there. But, um, you know, I don't think there's anyone tougher mental-wise mental, mental wise on the tour at the moment and he's probably the best putter in the world, you could quite easily say, after that performance.
1: Well, it's been brilliant to be able to tap into your knowledge. Nick O'Hearn, host of it's Off the Tee uh, podcast, which you can listen to on our app as well every Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick.
4: Oh, no problem. Great to chat and uh, look forward to the rest of the golf uh, later on. Uh, this year.
1: Brilliant, thank you so much Thanks mate. What a legend Nick, Absolutely. both Nick uh, of course being a former golfer himself, wasn't yes. wasn't too shabby was he, playing on both the PGA Tour and the European Tour as well
2: Could play himself, I don't know if you've caught up at Curse, but um, there's all this massive speculation going on and this mm-hmm. is the, the rough part of it, the guy's just won the British Open. He's
1: only but, young, leave him alone.
2: But they're already coming about him that he's about to join the live is it true? Mm, who knows? I'll tell you what. His price just went up, probably fifty million or so. Well, um, he
1: just took home, I think, three point five million Australian dollars for winning the British Open. If he was winning one of the live events, yes. it was probably thirty-five million. But, but hey, who's counting?
2: Is, but the thing is, if you don't go with the live, it's like you join the Tiger and Rory gang—an odd. I'd be keen on joining that gang. That'd be a cool gang to be a part of, surely.
1: Um, well, talking about Tiger and Rory, um, I had money on Rory. I was backing him, and I thought, yeah, nah, sweet, we're in here on Saturday. Easy, easy money. If I'm not going to win on Ireland, I'm going to win on Rory. We'll be fine. Um, but no.
2: Yeah, I thought you had a pretty good chance, too. I was on old my man, who never really threatened, but was in the top five over the weekend, and then just fell back today. Mm. And I had a couple of multis that... Apart from Justin Thomas, I would have been in. And I was in big time, Kirst.
3: Big time. Were
2: you? I needed Cam Smith in the top 10. Did that. I needed Fleetwood in the top 30. Pretty sure he ended up there. But my man, Thomas, terrible.
1: Shocker, a shocker. Mm. Um, he need to be in
2: the top five, so that's probably poor on my behalf. Well, i asking too much of him.
1: <laughs> Before the final day, um, probably one of the most talked about stories across the Open was Tiger Woods um, wasn't able to make the cut, but his final um, walk down the 18th hole, his caddy left him, um, and it was emotional, wasn't it? Because this is the last time that the Open will be at St Andrews for what I think about five years is it and he doesn't think he'll be playing then so this could be the last time we see Tiger Woods at St Andrews
2: yeah and it it does take a while to get back to St Andrews and Tiger's obviously starting to think that the end is nigh which is a shame maybe five years will come around pretty quickly Tiger maybe that's your last let us have one more one more chance who knows
1: do it I'm sure he listens
2: (laughs) yeah I know he's a big fan
1: I know he is I know he's a huge fan.
2: (laughs) Once he's on his private boat, he'll just be floating around the Bahamas (sighs) thinking, "What's, what's the frequency here or should I just download the app? Mm. I, I think he's actually an app listener. I think he is an
1: app listener as well. Um, yeah. And speaking of, if you missed any of our interviews today, Isaac Boss, Scotty Stevens, and Sarah Kelly ross go back and have a listen on our SENZ app. Uh, they were all brilliant. Scotty was awesome on the situation with New Zealand rugby at the moment. Bossy was fantastic um, on the rise and rise, the continuous rise of the Irish uh, heading into the Rugby World Cup next year, and Sarah Kelly ross on all things athletics as well. We'll be back right after this. Well, today's cream of the crop, Beaver, there could only be one. It sucks that it was against the All Blacks, but there could be only one. Our cream of the crop this week is the Irish, all thanks to Graincorp Feeds, your trusted partner for quality dairy. And I am going to go a step further, Beaver, and say that our cream of the crop this week shouldn't just be Ireland. It should be Andy Farrell. Because listen to these stats. Five Irish wins versus New Zealand, In eight games, Andy Farrell as defence coach and more recently as head coach. He was with the Lions that beat the New Zealand for a test in 2017. Andy Farrell was the defence coach then. England beat New Zealand in 2012. Farrell was the defence coach then. What a record.
2: It's not bad, is it? And uh, he seems to be doing something right. There's no doubt about it. He's uh, obviously a sensational rugby league player in his prime. He came over, switched, probably didn't make the impact that many thought he did as a player or would in his, as a player in rugby. But uh, from his glory days at Wigan, he's obviously got got the right sort of magic to turn into a wonderful defence coach. Obviously, Warren Gatlin took him on the Lions tour ahead of his usual ally and Sean Edwards. So, yeah, he, he certainly impresses people with his uh, ability and uh, you got to take your hat off to him. He's been nothing but class on this trip.
1: And he said after the game, when Anne Smith Smithy from Mornings interviewed him, that was the greatest win that he's ever had. And you've just mentioned the things he did in rugby league and rugby yes. as a player and coach. And this is the greatest thing, that victory, because he knows how hard it is to come to New Zealand and win. It's only been done in three-match series by two other opponents in New Zealand.
2: It's a remarkable stat when you think about the history of time. It is a remarkable, remarkable stat. And uh, as I say, you just got to tip your hat to them. It's, um,
1: they've added their name to the list.
2: They've added their name to a list. And tell you what, they might just be about to add their name to the World Cup list, are they, Kirst? Well,
1: they haven't even made it past the quarterfinals. And you reckon they're <laughs> going to go from not making no. it past the quarterfinals to been, the Web Cup holders?
2: I've been poo pooing them the last two weeks to win the World Cup, curse, So, no.
1: No. You think they ranked their current rank as sixth in the world, B. No, they they've are. Jumped the sh-
2: they've jumped Australia in my book. They've They're gone out. up to fifth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is our cream of the crop this week, the Irish. Bravo. Well done to you uh, because you did put on a brilliant series, a brilliant performance, and nothing can take that away from you. All thanks to Grain Corp Feeds, your quality partner for high-quality dry and liquid, di- liquid dairy feeds, supplying farmers nationwide. More ticks. We might as well rip into some more, should we, babe?
2: Absolutely. Ireland 100% are allergic to World Cup semi finals, cursed. There that's you go. Mark.
1: Mark is saying, so that's not going to happen.
2: So we want them in the quarters. Uh, speaking of all things quarters, uh, g'day, Kirsten beef. That's assuming the All Blacks make the quarterfinals. I'm slightly worried about our hold. Oh, no, we've already addressed Sparky from Brisbane. Look, I don't think we're going to lose to Namibia and who else we are in pool play with, so I think we're going to be right. Um, the coaching group is way too big. And coaches of very ordinary quality. What has Plumtree, McLeod, Moore, Feek, Strawbridge, and Hill done in the coaching of international teams? Apart from Feek with Ireland, Zip, and haven't even mentioned Fox and Smith. Well, yeah, obviously, Feek has been of Ireland for the entire time Joe Schmidt was, essentially. Uh, but the others, yes, McLeod's been in the All Black setup for a while. Plumtree was actually an island too. Um, so, yeah, there is there's a bit of int- international experience, but I know what you're getting at there. Uh, high k and I like it being referred to as K&B that's, that's, that's sharp Last Rugby World Cup Foster openly insisted AB's had a plan to combat the rush defence We are still waiting Foster's a lovely person But dare I say Has not the toolbox in his wide group As we have observed since the Rugby World Cup We have the players and wider talent But their mindset and delivery is driven by the coaches If the players don't follow the plan they are gone therefore if the plan A, B, C or D is not available it's time for a coaching group to resign
1: Can I ask you a question off the back of that text Beef? Yes Because I asked some of our former All Blacks last night do yeah. we need to play how these European sides play and do we need to start rushing up on defence and muscling up and doing all the things that we've seen work for South Africa when they beat us um, Ireland when they've beaten us or do we need to stick to this all black DNA, but just get better? How does it work? Well, How do we start beating these teams?
2: Well, we, we've got to get better. There's no doubt about that. It's funny. It's, the, the defense is a funny one for me because, apart from probably Australia, I can't think of too many other teams that are defending like us and not yeah, going. Yeah, everyone's to doing.
1: Everyone's doing it. Everyone's
2: doing They're it. We're getting left behind. And it's funny because for years, there's been one or two teams do it here and there. And whatever week you're playing the, the rush defence, when it pops its head up, usually it was in Cardiff against Wales. Uh, certainly in my time it was. You would always spend the entire week going through how are we are going to beat the rush defence. Which for me alone for... That's the way to do it because you know what we've taken our eye off the ball the entire week. We've been worried about what we've got to do to this one once a week, once a year. We've got to determine how we're going to beat this rush defense, and now everyone seems to be doing it, and everyone seems to be worried about it. So, no, I think I think there's an aspect of do we do enough in that order. I know a lot of teams are trying to bring more line spread, but the pure rushness or rush defense is not something we're too comfortable with because in New Zealand week in week out footy i.e. super rugby, on dry tracks with all the footwork, you can be exploited. But as soon as you get into test match rugby, high quality player, you're playing at night time, you're playing in June, July, then a rush defence is absolutely V defence to do because what you are been saying to them, Kirst, is you're saying, all right, you can buff it out to the wing, you can try and get it there, good luck because we're going to cut you off. And that's essentially what Ireland tried to do.
1: It's fascinating. So i presumably Leinster... Play the way that Ireland play.
2: Yeah, they, all, all the teams up there are, are essentially defending like that now. So you can't play
1: two different styles. Like, we couldn't play one style in Super Rugby, and then our All Blacks play a different style. We need to be on the same it page. Does,
2: it does take a bit to master it.
4: Mm. it.
2: It does take a bit to master it. The We I, we got privy to it when Gatlin came out years ago and coached Waikato for two years. First year, we came last in the NPC because we were all at sea rushing up and... We got torn apart on many a hot afternoon and then the following year we won it. And once we mastered it, it was it was easy, but it did take a while.
1: Well, it's great insights from Beaver. Uh, obviously, he's been there, done that as a player. Uh, 0800 811 is the number to call. This is your cue to call. We are playing Drive to Survive, the greatest quiz game in radio for a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher next. And I'll give you a clue. If you are listening to Johnny Mac's news throughout the day, you will know all the answers. This could blow the
2: world championship wide open. Oh my goodness, this is fantastic! This is Drive to Survive.
1: Yes it is, you know the number to call 800 150 We are playing Drive to Survive for a $50 TAB bonus bet Here's some cleverness for you though Beef. before we get started It's a rhyme Wolf Foster go or will he stay? What will they do to keep the Wolves at bay? The circling clouds are somewhat grey but I'd rather say a hip hip parade for tomorrow is SENZ's birthday Big aroha, lots of love from Tim the teacher
2: oh, Sensational Tim and very clever
1: very clever.
2: Very clever. And uh, yes, we are turning one tomorrow, people, so... We've made it!
1: <sighs>
2: it hasn't been easy, I know, and you all feel sorry for me, a year of curse, but what? look, I'm here. I'll,
1: I thought this was the I'll I'll easiest year of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Easier than a one-day trip down to the mountain when you're running out of fuel and <laughs> you've got Correct. three kids.
2: Correct. Uh, just well, fa-
1: just one more? Yes, uh, was please. it a good idea for the Black Ferns? Why was it a good idea for the Black Ferns to change coaches to Wayne Smith so close to a Rugby World Cup but not the All Blacks? How good would it be to call up Wayne Smith?
2: There you go. Be a bit rough on the girls, I guess. Unless Smithy goes, right, he does this year. And And he comes (laughs) next. Next year. And I tell you what, Smithy's probably not off the radar completely. He'll want to be, but he's probably not. Because they'll be calling him. He probably wouldn't be able to say no either. So... We'll see what happens. What's your space curse? Here's
1: a good one. Kia ora team. I took an omen bet on Cam Smith due to his love of the Queensland Maroons. Also heard some Queenslander calls on the tee. That is from a Parramatta Kiwi. Well, if you want to make some money on the TAB, we've got some dosh to give away. A $50 TAB bonus bet voucher. This is your last chance to give us a bell. 0800 150 811. It's drive to survive time. And as I say, I hope you've been listening to Johnny Max News.
2: Absolutely, and I tell you, someone who has been all day, I'd think, Dave. How are we, mate?
0: Yeah, I'm all right, Beef. I'm all right. The sun did sort of come up yesterday. It was a bit hazy, well, through my eyes, but um, yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be all right.
2: Oh, I'm sure we will. It's a little blip. I'm sure we can turn it around. We've got the talent in this country. It's just directed all.
0: Yeah, it's probably a little bit more than a little blip, but. Uh, there's time, he's <laughs> time. Just, we time. we get things in place, there's plenty of time, you know. 18 months it's,
1: is a long
2: time. Yeah, look Absolutely.
0: what South Africa did.
1: Your yeah, exactly. a Yeah, exactly.
2: So here we go. But tell you what.
1: get you some money.
2: What will make you smile, Dave, is a nice drive to survive victory. And here we go. Let one, question one. What was Cam Smith's final score today? Uh,
0: minus 20, 20 under the card.
2: He was 20 under the card, and we're up and running. Speaking of all been, things... Did you,
0: go for, yes. did you go for that power play for the 51 bucks, didn't you?
2: Yes, I did. Those three guys. Yes.
0: Fleetwood got fourth.
2: Yes, I knew. he I, Well, to be fair, <laughs> after the third round where I saw my man Thomas, was, I gave up on following uh, Fleetwood because I knew... <laughs> but we were dead in the water.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had it all around the wrong right way. It was quite a team, wasn't it? Yeah. They, yeah. Had all, they, <laughs> had him,
2: they had Cam Smith top 10. Well, Cam Smith won it for me, so that would have been... He was an easy one. But anyway, yep. question two. Yeah. Speaking of all things score, what was the score in the Aussie versus England rugby test match at the SCG?
3: Oh, gosh. Um uh,
0: 2118. 21 18? I don't know. Damn.
1: Pumpture. Has got a puncture? He's got a puncture. I, I reckon you take life. that. front left tyres. Close oh, enough.
2: Close enough for me. You know I'd love to take Dave on a close enough, but not good enough today, Kirst. Oh, you're
1: brutal, babe. You're brutal. I am brutal. Well, it's Dave, hang around.
2: <laughs> hang around. Hang around, Dave. You never know. Uh, I do believe we've got Iris John from the Taranaki.
1: No you don't, Beef. No you don't.
2: No, I don't. So we will go to Zaid. Zaid, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, all good. Um
2: yeah, I won on uh, Isaiah
0: Papaliti any try scorer, so I was pretty happy with that. I'm um, also yeah. had some money on um Hammer Tabi Fido. Um yesterday I had some money on Latrell Mitchell, but I did lose a bit on the All Blacks game, but I had some good league bets this weekend actually. Yeah. yeah Pampers one for twelve.
2: Yeah. Nice. We certainly have. Well, seeing we're talking about all our victories, I had a win on the England rugby game against Aussie. So can you tell me what was the score in that test match in Epic?
0: 21-17.
2: It was 21-17, which Dave has quite rightly just texted in.
1: He knew it. He just said the wrong number.
2: Lap one, question three here with Zay. Tell me, which NRL player faked an injury to assist a try over the weekend? Oh...
0: Alex Johnston? no.
2: His not. engine has blown, and his chances of winning with it!
1: Zayde so answered his own question. It was terrible acting too, may I say. From whom? From the person that was faking an injury.
2: Oh, so I, I haven't actually seen it. You oh, must, yeah, now I must a, catch up on that. It was an Oscar winning. It was an Oscar winning, I can imagine. We've got Simon there. Simon there? Technical issue, hang on. Just trying to bring up Simon. Simon, you there mate? Yeah
4: mate.
2: Yep. Tell he me. Gone. Good mate, good. Which NRL player faked an injury to assist a try over the weekend? Was it Joey Manu? It was Joey Manu, the great Kiwi. Question four, lap one. Which Rabbitohs player scored a hat-trick against the Bulldogs last night? Yeah, Alex Johnson. Alex Johnson. Like that, lap one has been done. Lap two, question one. Who is the fastest New Zealand female sprinter? Is it Zoe Hobbs? It is Zoe Hobbs. Question two, lap two. We're on a roll here now, Simon. When was the last time the All Blacks lost two games in a row at home? Oh, I have to
6: have no idea. I'll have a guess. Um, 2005. Well, he's
5: got a puncture. He's got a puncture. Front left,
0: front left tires. There yeah. you can see it's started a shred.
2: We are back to Dave. Dave, how are you again? Yeah, I'm all right. I knew it was 2118 because I took <laughs> it as well. I took it in with the point. It was 2117. <laughs> it was still 2117. 17, 17. I tried
1: yeah. to tell him, Dave. I tried to tell him you knew.
0: Yeah, I heard you, Kiss.
2: I heard you. Thank you, Kessie.
1: Well, look, we brought you back, so Red- let's
2: redemption. Do this. Here we are for redemption, Dave. Tell me, when was the last time the All Blacks lost two games in a row at home? It would be South
0: Africa. Um, it was South Africa,
3: and it would have been. Oh, must have been. I gave you a clue. Two, two.
0: Yeah, okay, Coos.
1: John Hart was coaching. OK,
0: choice. 1997?
2: Are you, sh- are you sure he was cursed? Because I don't think he was of that sort of figure.
1: Uh, <laughs> Pretty sure he was. At least the figure's wrong.
2: Maybe the figure's not wrong. But that's wrong anyway, Dave. So we're going to have to yeah, jackpot. No, yeah, we're going yeah, to have to jackpot.
1: Enough. Fair enough.
2: <laughs> I'm looking at that answer, and John Hart certainly wasn't cursed. What was the but... answer? Well, no, because it's tomorrow's question, of course. Mm. The
1: last time the All Blacks won, lost, lost two games in a row. Yeah, he was the last coach.
2: Well, that's not the answer. It's
1: been in the papers all week.
2: Yeah, you'd want a nine instead of about eight. I'd have thought.
1: Mm. Oh well, we'll look it up. It was wrong <laughs> anyway. It was wrong anyway, wasn't it? So uh, it was. So, we will go back to the drawing board and we will come back with $100 to give away on our first birthday for we'll Drive to Survive tomorrow. It's literally the first.
2: Well, and so it should be 100 on our first birthday. You know what? The great thing is about having young, young producers uh, on trial contracts curse when something like this happens, you just look at them on the uh, camera screen and they're just tearing their hair out. The that adults. answer's right. It is right. Yeah, it's right. But you're saying John Hart was coaching. Yeah. I think that, that might be wrong.
1: He was coaching.
2: What in that year?
1: Hold on, let oh. me just let me just check with what's written.
2: We're so, sorry, people. Uh we're sorry for doing our empirical <laughs> issues on here.
1: This is this is how the show has come together over a year. So it's just a real insight <laughs> into what goes on behind the scenes. It wouldn't be right to to end the year. Yeah, look, Josh has messaged it through. It is. It is right, V.
2: No, okay. Well, that's the year. Go ahead and look at the answers on my run sheet. That is not the number.
1: Oh, I do not have that down. Oh, I can't see the answers.
2: <laughs> that's what, what i am going on about.
6: What do you mean? I I you sent you an updated rundown before the I thought Well, you do You, know know you, look, at, you oh, oh, look at Josh. is a shambles.
2: You look at Josh's ticks and you you oh, look at that's you the hold on, hold on. that's
1: the answer. That's the answer.
6: You to give him out, me, Jacob. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. Admin era. Admin <laughs> era. Okay. <laughs> all's, well, all's, all's well ends well.
1: You know what, Jacob? Uh, there's been plenty you're of mistakes and drive hey, to survive over the, over the last year. <laughs> over the last year. So, we've sorted it out. We've got the correct answer. John Hart was the coach. And, uh, unfortunately, Dave was still wrong. I tried okay. to help him out. But... $100 tomorrow on our first birthday. I'm sticking around. Okay, well, as you know on the program, Beaver and I can't talk to each other during the breaks, but he's been blowing up, his arms have been flailing in the air, and he wants a public apology. I'm not sure what for.
2: Well, I'll tell you what for. For me, saying that it was wrong on my end, when you kept saying John Hart was a coach, John Hart was coach, and I was looking at the answer I'd been presented, there was no way John Hart was the coach and yet you just continue to go down this route of questioning um, and abuse of me on air, and I felt like Ian Hustle there at one stage. Hang on, abuse? just keep coming. Abuse? just keep coming. Hang on. Do you
1: think that's abuse?
2: I'm a sensitive soul, and, uh, you
1: know, my skin's skin's paper thin. Okay. Well, um, you know what? You may get a little bit more abuse because we're going to (laughs) bring John on from Taranaki. Uh, John, I think we should be saying congratulations to you. What did you think of the weekend's action?
3: Well, the uh, the, the voice box is shut, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> was there a lot of yelling? You made it down to Wellington, because, didn't you?
1: It must have been the singing.
3: Yeah, I made it down to Wellington. Oh, brilliant! Uh, five five seats back from the paddock, from the paddock. It was it was incredible. Yeah. Um, to its relation, Abbey. Uh, so. Like, it's been incredible. uh, Anyway, yeah, question. The APs lost in Chicago, then lose in Ireland with Foster. And the same defence, rush defence. So a coach with half a brain will know and put in the plan A, B and C in place. I need staff. So why didn't they have that in... So it's not a surprise, really. Why is it a surprise to Foster? The the defence.
2: No, no, it's a a surprise to no one. No one... There's some things you can hide from teams, you know, some little trick plays or some little little alterations, but you're not going to be able to hide your entire defence structure. And they knew this was coming. Maybe maybe we were arrogant enough after game one to think, oh well, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. They they did a few things in game one which I thought you know made sense around the rush defence. They played very short. They were very direct. There was a bit of variation to their kicking game. But you're right. It did look like we were shocked by it in game two and three, and we didn't mm-hmm. have an answer. We, we, we have obviously with the history of some of our players and their belief. Of some of our players, we almost neglect the kicking game. Is almost almost like we we get bored with it. And yes. there are some basic yeah. fundamentals you can go to around the kicking game, which we just haven't been.
3: Yeah. Well, I yeah yeah. Were you at the game, Bev? No, I wasn't. Oh, I wasn't. Uh, I right. wasn't as lucky as
2: you,
3: yeah. and Curse. Yeah. Oh well, Curse has high connections, as we all know. You know like, <laughs> yeah,
5: very you high. Know, well, yeah. You must have as we
1: well, if you were only three rows back, John.
3: <laughs> no, no, five. No, no, we were five rows back. Sorry. And and no, just look look at the draw. Um, yeah, and the, and like it was like. Um, I don't know, the forwards, it was uh, heaps of our back fans behind, like, they just, well, everybody really, did. it was like there was, if you can't go around them, you have to go up through them. Yes. And for God's sake, that's, and like, I don't know, and, and, and well, I suppose they, they couldn't because the the coaching of the defence, the league style defence wouldn't allow us really.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the thing about when you're facing that sort of defence is, you can't, we, we, we seem to have these quite a lot of wide plays which didn't really seem to come up with us but we weren't throwing any shots and when you come up against a defence like that, at times and phase play, you just got to run hard lines, you've just got to run hard down lines and unfortunately our boys either weren't told to do it or we just didn't do it, so John, you're right, there's some work to be done and uh, mate, we're going to have to wrap this right, up buddy. because uh, we've got the yeah, ads good, coming good. up, but thanks a lot John right, and glad you had a great weekend right, mate
3: Yep, yeah, we well, by the sounds
1: of it, John had an outstanding weekend.
2: And i tell you what, John's been in this country a while because I don't know if you picked up that last bit, but there's a bit of a sweet ass at the end of it. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's, if that comes natural, in Irish John's been here a while.
1: Message in here. Uh, Beave, league fan, looking in. Love the weekend of rugby. But what the hell up with the breaks during the matches? A prop takes a knee and then the whole team has a water break and a brainstorm. <laughs> that's from yes. Tangy.
2: Unfortunately, Tangi, props. The game won't start without props, and coaches know that. And if we Smart. need a break, everyone fakes an injury for a prop. Okay. Unfortunately, it is exploited.
1: And, and that's what happened several times over uh, within that 80 minutes period. Great to have you joining us on the programme today. There was a lot to dissect, and it will continue tomorrow and for the rest of the week as well. Good.